Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. <laughs> Hi. Hello there, how are you? I'm okay, thanks, how are you? I'm fine. Uh, we are guestless this evening. We as, are, yeah, we um, explained in the minisode the reason for that. Yeah, um, so I always feel like I always feel like the tone of these uh, is always slightly more relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to worry about any technical issues, I don't have to worry about being a gracious host to anybody other than you and to be honest by this point that's kind of yeah i can understand if that's, that's fallen by the wayside that's fallen by the wayside like, do what you like make yourself <laughs> at home for fuck's sake get the kettle on so it's another andy and mitch episode this week and uh in light of us accidentally giving me two in a row you're now getting two in a row and this is the first, the first um, of, of those selections very exciting so 1988 nightmare beach why this <laughs> uh many reasons um I'm, I'm actually fairly new to nightmare beach Okay. Um, out of the films, well, I was going to say out of the films that Umberto Lindsay made, this was one. I, this was one I kind of came into a little bit later. Okay. But there is obviously some ambiguity regarding whether or not Umberto Lindsay actually directed this. Yeah. So um, I noticed this. Um, and we can like, and we may as well talk about it now because I noticed in the opening credits that it's is it Harry. Harry Kirkpatrick. Kirkpatrick, yes. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Fitzpatrick, <laughs> I knew that was wrong. Uh, yeah, uh, Harry Kirkpatrick's credit is this, but you always call it Umberto Lindsay's uh, oh, yeah. Nightmare So what's the story there? Lindsay was attached to direct, and apparently he asked to be taken off the project because it was too similar to his film uh, Seven Bloodstained Orchids. Okay. But apparently, there was a rumour flying around for a while that Harry Kirkpatrick was like an alias. Okay, yeah. yeah. But apparently that's not the case at all, and that Lindsay was on set the whole time, providing technical assistance. I see. And uh, was actually quoted as saying something along the lines of, uh, my contribution consisted solely of providing technical assistance, and uh, Nightmare Beach should be considered the work of Harry Kirkpatrick. But there's a lot, still a lot of conflicting information on this, whether or not Lindsay was the driving force behind it. But certainly, um, it's generally always attributed to Umberto Lindsay. Okay, okay. Whether it was him or not, the reason I picked the film is uh, there's parts of this film that haven't aged particularly well. Yeah, we can get to it, but yeah, <laughs> um, uh, as an inevitable first watch, I did kind of think that quite a lot of times. Yeah, but I think as an, uh, an Americanized Italian slasher film, uh, mm-hmm. it's actually quite fun a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just I just have a really good time with it. And... Uh, I think um, out of the Lindsay films, which most people will have seen, obviously for my money, Nightmare City. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's moving away from the beach into a broader, <laughs> into a broader metropolis. But uh, for my money, Nightmare City is his best film. Okay. Uh, but most people all know, like Man from Deep River or Cannibal Ferox and yeah. things like that. For me, this is up there riding pretty high because while it's trashy, it's trashy in a really fun, campy, grisly way that I just really respond to it. it's everything i want uh-huh yeah, um, yeah apart from some of the stuff which uh tonally makes it a little now. bit repugnant yeah um <laughs> i took 11 pages of notes 
for this. Is which, this the most you, notes you've ever taken? You know, it is actually. Um, <laughs> it actually is. Yeah. Um, I normally, I, I mean, average is about six or seven Fucking sides hell, of uh, double. A5. A5? That's a little one, isn't it? That's the smaller one. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the pad I'm looking at. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, um, but, so yeah, I, I realized pretty early on that I was going to go hurtling past that, um, which I did. Quite a lot to get into, good and bad. <laughs> I would say that's... Uh, I'm willing to hold my hands up to that and say, yeah, there's a lot. Particularly more so in the early running. That's probably true. Uh, speaking of things that happen in the early running, are you any less blindsided by the fact you're going to have to do a 30-second synopsis now than you normally are? If I wasn't sitting on the floor, I'd have fallen off my seat. <laughs> right, okay, so, are you ready? Uh, okay, let's go. I okay. don't have it written, it's important to no, say that. No, nothing in front of you. It's going to be your best 30-second synopsis in Nightmare Beach. Three, two, one... Go. It's spring break. Uh, the beers are flowing, the boobs are bouncing, and uh, it's party time. Our heroes, uh, 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 what's the fucking name? Skip and Ronnie arrive in town hunting beaver. Um, but what they don't know is that there's a motorcycle driving maniac going around electrocuting people. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that, that was uh, that was like that was very, very thin on detail. Um, <laughs> I had eight seconds left, but that was with I think potentially a five or six second hesitation in the middle. <laughs> so I kind of feel like after the hesitation, you were just kind of panicking to the finish line. Well, I could have also mentioned uh, John Saxon's appearance in there and Michael Parks, not to be confused with previous guest Michael Park. You know what? If I had a pound for every time I got those two confused, <laughs> just when you went and watched Red State, you were... yeah. <laughs> Right, let's jump in. I think that the sure. uh, the opening of this is mental in a number of levels. Are you talking about the styling of the biker gang, the demons? Because that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, yes, the demons. We don't. I don't think we we don't hear them referenced as that for quite a while. I don't think. Well, it's certainly emblazoned on the. Is it, is it called a cut? Oh um, yeah, but I know, I know what you mean though. Yeah, yeah, it's it's on there. Yeah, but we see them. We see them staring down a prison. <laughs> yeah, aggressively uh, watching a prison. Yeah, uh, like yeah, like they're staring down a prison in the same way that they would stare down somebody that they caught eyeballing their woman. Yeah, a lot of bandanas here, and one guy wearing a hilarious studied headband. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, inside though, uh, we have um, a man who we will learn is Edward Diablo Santor. Yes, yes. Uh, getting taken to the electric chair. Yeah, he's going to ride the lightning. But one one thing I do want to say about Diablo here, he's a man of a bald head, but has made the bold decision to keep his sideburns. Yes, yeah, 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 gutsy. Yeah, I was, uh, I was impressed by that. Yeah, calling card. So they're not attached to his beard. No, they're just there. No, they're just there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it is. It's, it, it does kind of look like a half finished haircut. Maybe he got arrested in the middle of a haircut. <laughs> um, or actually, now it's just coming to me. The pre, it, it seems like a joke on the prison systems part because they do shave your head before you fry. Okay, right. But you think they'd just do the whole lot? Well, you'd think so, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Um, uh, yeah, he comes in, and uh, he kind of, in front of this kind of, like, waiting gallery of people who are about to watch him kind of fry. Sure. Uh, he shouts at who we will later learn is Gail. Yes. Um, I didn't kill your sister, bitch. Yep, unrepentant to the last. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know how many times I've heard protestations of innocence concluding with the word bitch. <laughs> but there we go. Um, while uh, and he also shouts abuse at uh, Striker, um, yeah, yeah, played gr- by John Saxon, obviously he- from uh, An Eight on Elm Street, Enter the Dragon. Uh, uh, yeah, playing like grizzled police chief uh, Striker. 
Yeah, who uh, we'll find out later, uh, for a grizzled police chief, lives in an incredibly dilapidated and horrible trailer. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um, so he's killed, or at least we assume that he is killed. Uh, kind of, it freezes, it, does it freeze frame before? Or? <laughs> yeah, uh, he is electrocuted and what I think is probably, it, it seems like the most laid-back, relaxed death that I've ever seen in a cinematic interpretation of the electric chair. Yeah, it's a pretty chilled-out environment. Yeah, he just kind of, his hands aren't even like clenching tight, they just kind of flop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's something quite listless about the whole thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, he he does die here, and uh, he's obviously checked over by Michael Parks. Yep, who uh, plays Doctor Willett, whiskey swelling, chronically incompetent. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> and he is declared dead. He is declared dead. Yeah, and um, and then we're met with what is the first of a number of strange music choices. Well, yeah, we get a freeze frame of Diablo's corpse in the electric chair, and it kind of fades to black. But uh, the the kind of it's not the title track, but I guess the main song that crops up several times across the runtime mm-hmm. starts here, and the lyrics are wholly inappropriate for the, the visual. Because the visual, as it's kind of shown to us, is of a freshly electrocuted man. Yes, yep. Dead. And I believe the lyrics are, When you mess with bad girls like me, we are naughty but nice. Right. And then it launches into an incredibly fun uh, rock song. The kind of thing you would expect to see in a spring break montage. Uh, yeah, uh, we get quite, like, it's the first of a lot of montages of, like, scantily clad revelers. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's some wholly inappropriate moments across, uh, just to kind of pad out the runtime. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, there is so much of that. Yeah, you get the impression <laughs> that without the kind of, like, beach and party and montages, this came in at about 72 minutes. <laughs> um, I mean, at this point, I wrote down, because you heard so much of the song, I was like, uh, they got the rights to this song and they're really going to use them. I had no idea how right I would go on to be. Because not only do we hear the whole song here, you hear large parts of it uh, large interpolations of it four or five times you also like just about every other song in the film pops up more than one time yes um, which I'm fine with because I would say because they're all bangers yeah I would say uniformly the lyrics are a bit mental for some of them I've, I've written some down I'll address them as they arise oh superb superb I can always rely on you Mitch to get through <laughs> with the detail yeah it's worth mentioning the soundtrack because the soundtrack's pretty cool but the actual score itself is by Claudio Simonetti from Goblin. Yeah, mm-hmm. another another uh, theme that recurs very often in there. Yeah, he's done one theme and it is pushed as far as it's possible to take it. It really, really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We at this point meet a priest. Yes, we do. Father Bates, or Reverend Bates. Reverend Bates, uh, condemning the revelers as, and I quote, lost lambs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he doesn't like the immorality on show at Spring Break. Not one bit, no. Not one bit, and, and rightly so. Rightly so. And to his horror, uh, spots his daughter Rachel in the crowd, uh, heads over there and kind of... Uh, lambast her. Yeah, well, I was going to say chides her, but yeah, you know, maybe lambast is uh, maybe lambast more appropriate. Uh, saying that he was under the impression that they had agreed that she was going to stay with her Aunt Agnes, who she uh, dubs a senile old drag. <laughs> yeah, but we don't. Sadly, we don't see any more of Aunt Agnes. No, but I feel like I feel like if she's actually senile, then I think that like um, kind of like having a go at her for being shit patter is a little bit harsh. <laughs> <laughs> so enter what are our presumable protagonists here? Um, we have uh, vacuum-packed AC Slater, Ronnie Rivera. Yeah, played by the hilariously named Rolly Valverde. Rolly Valverde, excellent. <laughs> and uh, 
disgraced football player. Well, not disgraced football player, but um, football player. <laughs> Uh, Skip Banachek. Skip Banachek. Everyone knows who this fucking guy is. Yeah, um, <laughs> I have some questions about that as well. Um, <laughs> I don't think I can answer them. No, that's okay. My knowledge of American football, um, and I'm, I, I will not refer to it as football because that's a different sport. Yes, agreed. Um, but certainly American football is not strong enough to go into the details of what I believe is college football. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I... Didn't think I knew anything about it, but the way that it's addressed here, I apparently know absolutely nothing about it at all. Sure, sure. Um, I did wonder if we're getting straight into the action at this point, but the body in the pool that we come across here is a fake out one of maybe four. Oh yeah, um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, water based jeopardy. Yeah, um, uh, but yeah, what, what looks like um, a blood soaked corpse floating in a, floating in the swimming pool is actually a prankster. An entirely unnecessary moment. Yeah, the other three times that it happens are also unnecessary moments. <laughs> But some of them are quite funny. I quite want to take the, like everything that is transparently padding here and lay it end to end and see how much it is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, at this point we do learn that Skip has come on uh, spring break to escape these uh, most oppressive of demons, uh, college football regret. <laughs> yeah, he's um he's he kind of like from what we can tell he's kind of like made some sort of massive fuck up in air quotes the big game. He's blown the big game is yeah. essentially what's happened there. He's done a Ray Finkel. Now, presumably, if he's going somewhere to forget about this, he hasn't gone around the corner. You know, like... No, he, he's like, gone far. Yeah, he's gone far. But like, he cannot go five yards in this film without somebody being like, oh my God, you're Skip Banachek. And you blew the big game. And you blew the big game. In more words, that happens so many times. And I think it's really funny. But like, because I... In my head, I kind of imagine that it's like junior football here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. And I think like, I think college football is a huge deal. Yeah. I think, I think that, the I Orange think Bowl is. is a massive thing. Oh, uh, okay. I'm going to have to trust you in there. Um, Skip seems like an alright guy. Yeah, uh, way more so than Ronnie Rivera. Ronnie is the worst. Uh, yeah, he's, um, he's horrendous. I... The first time you see him and he's got that fucking medallion on, I think the first word's out of his mouth. Because we also meet the, the kind of debt, we're in the hotel at this point, and we meet the desk clerk there, who has a kind of Super Mario quality about him, and a little bit of a, almost like somebody that Steve Pemberton would play in the League of Gentlemen. Yeah, I hear that. Um, and he's just the worst as well. He's, the first time we meet him, he's offering a woman a room lined with mirrors. Yeah, weird chap. She walks away, take, takes the room, walks away, and Ronnie, ever the feminist, uh, delivers the first line that's particularly problematic, and this character does not let up the whole time. But the line he says is, how'd you like that? Doing squats on your tool. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does set the tone for what we're getting, though. Uh, because, yeah, they head up to the room, and uh, very soon after that, he said that I, uh, Beaver Scouting Patrol leaves in five minutes. Did I mention his medallion? <laughs> well, it is, like it's, it's a I key mean, plot point. I was going to say it figures pretty dramatically as we go on. But that scene, the, but uh, the scene that you were just talking about in the room, uh, where he, he's they're talking about going beaver scouting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Ronnie throws the biggest fucking pile of condoms, yeah, onto Skip and um, says to him that if he doesn't finish all of those condoms in the time that they're here, he'll tell the whole school that Skip is, I quote, a bender. Yeah, more stuff that you kind of like, you know. Yeah, like everything that comes out of his mouth, you're like, oh, shut the yeah, fuck up, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Ronnie's the character I have the hardest time with because he's essentially one of our heroes. We're supposed to feel bad when he dies. Yeah, and he's so incredibly hard to like. Yeah, and I... I or actually, get behind in any conceivable way. Yeah, I actually welcome it when it, when it comes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, same, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, though, we hear from Police Chief Stryker and Dr. Willett. Uh, Diablo's body is missing. It is, yeah, he's been dug up. He has been moved to a location unknown. Oh, Reverend Bates is here for this as well. Oh, is he? Uh, yes, definitely. Because um, I remember thinking that everyone um, 
goes kind of to type for their theories on what's happened, which is that the policeman is like, for fuck's sake, someone's dug his grave up. And uh, the priest is like, he's come back from the dead. Well, uh, Stryker's always blaming the breakers. Everything that, everything that could possibly happen is somehow the work of all these alky partying people that have taken over his town. Yeah, he, he obviously, he obviously just kind of like absolutely dreads this every year. There's some amazing kind of incidental characters that pop up as a result of too much drunken reveling, but we can touch on them as they kind of... No, are. there's one of them as my actual favourite character in the whole thing. <laughs> I, know, uh, I think I know who the guy you mean. Um, Stryker and uh, Willett, both dismissive of the air quote spook talk. <laughs> sure. Uh, how, how foolish. It's a bunch of hokum. Yeah, exactly. Um, meanwhile, uh, we do get into the action pretty quickly because at this point, an unnamed, and she will die unnamed girl, um, uh, hitches a ride to uh, Manatee Beach with a biker. The biker. The biker, yeah, I presume that's uh, all he's credited as or known as. Um, well, the, like, the guy from the box. The guy from the box, yes, yes. The full throttle throttler himself, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. She, um, she regrets this decision immediately. She uh, tries to get off um, on pretty much as soon as she gets on and is uh, very unceremoniously electrocuted. Yeah, she's uh, hang- she's riding pillion on the bike, but she's hanging on to two chrome metal handles. Yeah. Much like the Scientology things that they make you hold on to to measure your organs your feet, or whatever, your feet and levels. Uh, whatever the fuck it is. He slams nice one, Andy. Now, now we're going to get secretly killed. Uh, I think we're uh, SPs. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. He presses these two big red buttons and she, you're right, uh, is incinerated by uh, means of ele- electricity. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, stopping only to uh, get a little bit more um, footage, just generic footage of spring break partying. Sure. sure, uh, sure. We're straight back into the hotel, get more footage of the uh, bellboy at the hotel being an incredibly creepy guy. Yeah, he has a Norman Bates-esque hole in a wall. Yeah, pretty horrendous. Um, which gazes into the mirror room. Yes. Which I believe has been taken by the, the girl that we saw earlier, who seems to be funding her spring break by being a prostitute. Yeah, it seems that way, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of like feeding sob stories to suggestible people. Old men, deep wallets, and weirdly one cowboy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like all present and correct. Skip and Ronnie have an altercation with the bikers here, uh, where um Striker arrive when Striker arrives and kind of breaks it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. we get our first introduction to a character that who I believe is a dog. Dog, dog's amazing. I don't believe English to be dog's first language. I would agree. Uh, I also think that dog chews the scenery to an outrageous extent. Uh, yes, pretty incredible, pretty remarkable uh, stuff. He has attitude down to a fine art. Yeah, he really does. Um. Uh. Yeah. They get. Uh. They get banned. Yeah. Banned from the town. Yeah. Uh, or, from, or, or from like the beachside, certainly. Sure. Um. Yeah. Uh. Which. Yeah. It's amazing when he's but like. That's what it's all happening. Yeah. Why would you want to just be driving the back streets? You can't ban us. <laughs> this is our hangout. <laughs> It's dialogue like that much that made me pick this. I can, I can completely understand that. I can completely understand that. Um, I hadn't started writing uh, lyrics down at this point, but we cut away to uh, Skip and Ronnie in a bar. Oh. And I, I have written down that there are, have already been quite a lot of songs about shagging. Um, maybe about <laughs> 10, maybe 15 minutes in. Um, but yeah. Um, it was I, the 80s. All songs were about shagging. It's very true. Um, again, I was kind of asking very serious questions about whether or not we're actually supposed to like Ronnie as he tries and fails to seduce like three different people and says to one, you'll be a lot prettier if he smiled. That line brought to my mind that song Lullaby by Sean Mullins. She'd be a whole lot prettier if she smiled once in a while. <laughs> the, the very one. Because even her smile looks like a frown. I'll stop. Yeah, uh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah that very do. one. Yeah, she's seen her shade of devils in this angel town, Andy Stewart. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Skip heads outside. Rachel puts a move on him. Rachel, um, uh, priest daughter Rachel from earlier. 
uh, continuing uh, unabashed down the path of hedonism despite her dad's protestations. Yeah, the spring break thing, this whole thing does nothing for me. Oh, God, no. Like, like I, I 100% would not be crying for that at all. Nah, it's like people go to Ayanapa. I, like, I, like, I lack the physique. Sure. Alcohol tolerance. And uh, probably moral bankruptcy. Uh, yeah, and I also not a big fan of the sun. If I'm honest, yeah. Yeah, like, I think I'm just generally I'm like I'm like, I'm like a two up two uptight as well, just in general for that kind of thing. <laughs> Take myself far too seriously. I'd love to see you throw caution at the wind at spring break, Mitch. <laughs> or get your get your man tits out in New Orleans during <laughs> Mardi Gras. <laughs> Still in the name of scoring some more beads. Um, it's like it's just what I quickly touch on a character who we see loads of times, but he has no part to play. The pickpocket guy. Oh yeah, because he's already been in this by this point, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's already stolen some wallets. But uh, yeah, he spends a whole time robbing people, and he seems like he's been set up to be presumably a character who dies, but we never get that payoff, so it's uh, it's a shame, because I would have liked to have seen him, I'd like to have seen him go. Yeah, I think that that would have been nice, like uh, just a little bit of a uh, little bit of comeuppance. <laughs> We get another aquatic lampoon here. Oh, is this another fake-out from the guy? Yeah, this is uh, when they spot a great white shark in the ocean, which oh. turns out to be a man with a dorsal fin attached to his back. Yeah, almost, Joker. Very luckily, almost gets shot. Yeah. By, a, by like a, I don't know, a beach cop? A Mitch, yeah. B, a Mitch Buchanan? Mm-hmm. Uh, cycle back then at this point to uh, Rachel and her judgy priest dad. Yes. Um, yes. Like yeah. Just a, a very, very brief little bit of that. And um, and then also just kind of we see the uh, the prostitute girl who I don't mm-hmm. think we ever uh, hear a name for. She has slept with an old man in a Donald Trump power tie. <laughs> it might have been Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> who could say? Just Potentially the most egregious in terms of just being like gratuitous and the most completely unnecessary in terms of running for time and stuff like that. The next like spring break montage that we get is the wet t-shirt contest. Which uh, takes ages, uh, is like flooded with gratuitous nudity, and takes us nowhere in a, see, from a story perspective. Although it's flooded with gratuitous nudity, right? And uh, I guess that you're supposed to find it kind of titillating. Wildly unsexy. Yeah, did you not think it was really, it's really uncomfortable to watch? Yep. There's like a few of the girls just, they don't look comfortable that they're in it at all. Uh, looks like they didn't know that it was going to be a wet t-shirt competition. Like one woman seems to be trying to leave and winds up just kind of Awkwardly going with it, awkwardly sidling across the stage. It's really quite bad, and the point of it, there isn't really any, unless the point was intended to be tits, which I could well have been fully believe it probably was. Yep, yep, yep. More kind of complete bafflement on my part that we're supposed to like Ronnie as he gets knocked back by the barmaid again, calls her a lesbian. Yeah, yeah. I firmly believe Ronnie to be a very sad, lonely man. Uh, yeah, I would say that that's, uh, that's a reasonable hypothesis. Because his behaviour is shocking. At this point he says to somebody, you want to bum short hairs? Bump short hairs, I bump. assumed. You want to bump short hairs? Does that mean pubes? Pube yeah, pube? Uh, presumably that would be... Yeah, the, the Velcro effect. That's what he's getting at, yeah. Pretty terrible, really, oh, isn't it? He's just awful. But yeah, so Skip, uh, Skip is fed up of being unable to um, escape his football past. Um, returns to the room uh, as we see more business for the prostitute. Because uh, that, joke, that, that joke slash bit has been referenced three times at this point. <laughs> Something that we did miss, by the way, is that after the night where they first go out on their beaver hunt, mm-hmm. um, Skip wakes up in bed and Ronnie has a girl next to him. Yep. Which means that Ronnie was successful in his quest, but that also means that Skip had to have that really awful, awkward night's 
like uh, pretending to be asleep while yeah. your best friend fucks next to you. Yeah, I, I don't have. know if you've ever been there, but I've I had haven't. It. No, I've had it, and it is it's an entirely like you you try to snore, you try to do anything to pretend that you're you're not there. You have try you- to drift off to better places but uh yeah ronnie also yeah he he scores again or so it appears uh while he's out on his own uh while skips at home commiserating um he thinks that he's uh he's quids in with um with a girl but it is uh it's all it's a it's a lampoon it's a, yeah it's another lampoon uh, in, in the form of uh all denim trina yeah i guess she's diablo's old lady uh yeah now uh apparently uh the partner of dog Head yeah, of the demons. Yeah, or just, she might just be. I think she's just another lost soul. Just generally rotherless. A lost lamb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she kind of, so she kind of lures him somewhere. Uh, and then obviously he ends up getting his head kicked in by the bigger guy. Yeah, he gets rolled pretty heavily. Um, and uh, they steal his, they steal his like, medallion pendant thing, <laughs> which seems really inconsequential, but of course is not. It must have taken them ages to get away with that. Um, it's true. To drag that fucking manhole cover away with him. <laughs> it's been great if we just like have fixed it to the back wheel of the thing and just start dragging all behind them. <laughs> just sparks. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we lose Ronnie at this point. He sees one biker remaining, thinks that it's one of the uh, surviving demons, is getting ready to go settle a score. Well, gets he takes a hilarious drunken swing, totally misjudges it and falls and grabs the, the, the chrome zapper. Yep, and uh, yeah, away he goes. Deed. Yeah. Plus, he has whiskey pulled on him, so he, he goes up in quite the fireball. Uh, yeah, he does. That's right. Yeah, moments earlier, he had whiskey pulled on him. So, yeah, he's away. Ronnie dies. Um, so, again, needless to say, it being a slasher film and me being a moron, I was stunned that Ronnie died at this point. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, of course I was. Yeah, oh, I've, got, I've still got a massive reserve of surprise when anyone dies, despite the fact that the whole point of these films is that people die spaced at equal intervals spaced out throughout the film. <laughs> Back to uh, Stryker, Dr. Willett, and the mayor. Doctor, uh, despite being the one that declared Diablo legally dead, questions the validity of having <laughs> declared him legally dead. Yeah, there's some speculation here that perhaps uh, Diablo, uh, either in man form or in uh, undead ghost form, is uh, stalking the streets of this uh, beachside town. Well, the fact that the doctor said that something might have happened that might have induced a death-like state. <laughs> Electricity. Yeah. Lots of electricity. Marvellous. Um, but the, the mayor here is doing the mayor from Jaws thing. Is he not uh, pushing for a cover-up to protect Spring Break? Yeah, you know what You know what came to my mind here, actually? Mel from Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> well, totally surrounded and cloaked by all these horrific events. Yeah. Uh, it's that painted-on smile that everything's fine while people just drop dead around you. Yeah, the media will have a field day type thing. <laughs> Fiddling while Rome burns. <laughs> exactly. Uh, back to that bar again the bar that quickly becomes a base of operations for everyone in the film I think it's fair to say yeah they, they must have had a, quite a good deal in place to film there uh, yeah uh, I would say so um, another prank is played here which makes three by my count is this a dead guy? yes yes I believe so I think this is when he masquerades as a dead body <laughs> uh, regrettably he's not a real dead body again just like, uh, well no uh, and more random footage to people in bikinis because I'm just realising how many times I wrote this down and just how often it just does that. Well, um, this time, though, uh, it's not a wet t-shirt competition. It is, in fact, a bikini contest. Uh-huh. But somehow, weirdly more offensive because the, the the girls who are taking part in this, they're dancing in an incredibly lewd way. Yep, agreed. Yeah, quite overtly sexual dance moves. Uh, very much so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so definitely. somehow, although there's more flesh on show in the wet t-shirt competition, this is still dirty. Does just feel less wholesome to This you? is still serious. Yeah, I would say that's, that's fair. Um, eagle-eyed Skip, though, spots Ronnie's medal around the neck of uh, Trina. 
yes. from earlier. Yes, that's right. Uh, so he pursues her. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, back to the gang's kind of like presumably like de facto hideout they found somewhere to go yeah and the slowest um stickiness to the speed limitest uh, car chase there's ever been yeah the stakes the stakes have never been lower <laughs> he follows them back tries to spy on them does that very poorly very poorly he's immediately captured like literally immediately as soon as he picks a spot they uh they find him he's about to go the way of ronnie when uh striker arrives well not immediately he's not gonna get electrocuted but he's gonna get no, battered did you notice that every single one of them is armed with a chain Yes, like that, that must be the that must be the thing. Yeah, it must be. Um, get a good training. Uh, Striker arrives. God knows how or why. He has a warrant. Okay. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. He has a yeah. warrant to search for Diablo's body. Humbly withdrawn. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. No, that's quite right. Uh, yeah, because uh, this is this uh, this scene features, I believe, the first time in my life that I've ever heard the word orgy used as a verb. Because he says, "I wouldn't be surprised if you low lives were orgying with his body." No. Oh. Horrible. <laughs> That's such a dad thing to say. Also an incredible accusation. Yeah, yeah, but it's a pure creepy dad thing to say. <laughs> orgying. Orgying, yeah. To orgy. Um, you know, orgies. Uh, yeah, exactly. To orgy. Uh, more of the blonde girl at this point, cutting back to the hotel um, with her clients and the creepy bellhop watching through his uh, Norman Bates viewing window. Yeah. He is about to get strangled at this point because he's kind of uh, um, approached in the kind of cupboard where he's hiding to do this <laughs> by uh, Diablo or the biker. The biker. Um, mm-hmm. And he's still wearing his leathers and a helmet. And I'm reminded at this point that uh, out of context and when they're supposed to look menacing when they're not on bikes, people in leathers and bike helmets look very silly. They do look very silly. And I was also uh, struck by the fact that he must have been walking around this very busy hotel like that. Yeah, and like I can imagine you like, and this is a good point actually, because you know, like if Stryker turns up to, in, or if any of the police people turn up to investigate the murder, and it's like, um, did you see anybody suspicious? Suspicious, and it's like, um, no. Wait, 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 hang on. Actually, there was a guy who was like walking around very menacingly and very slowly with bike leathers and a helmet on. Yeah. Apart from that, no. Yeah, and, and twirling a garrote. <laughs> he was just walking around with a long length of piano wire. <laughs> Yeah, at this point, uh, the blonde girl, it was in your name. I feel yeah. terrible calling her the blonde girl all the time. Uh, she uh, spots an eye. She goes to confront him for his lecherous behavior, but he has bigger fish to fry, that fish being he's deed. Yeah, and his tongue is lolling hilariously from his open mouth. Considering the fact that we know exactly what's happened here, the reveal is kind of cool, I think. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. How he's like, facing away and pl- like, kind of propped up against his little spy hole. But she's obviously shooken yep. by this and uh, takes to her heels. Um, but what I did notice is that she is in fact wearing heels, although her upper body is clad in a Garfield nighty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I thought was an interesting choice. Yeah, it's a fine ensemble, I like it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, she um, doesn't. She tries to make good her escape here. It goes very, very poorly. It doesn't go well, no. She runs into the elevator, um, and the biker has taken up residence on the top of the car. Yep. And uh, reaches down and shocks her in the mouth with an electric cable. Yeah, which I think, like, um, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I think that I understand, like, we come to understand the electrocution thing, but I think that the fact that everyone dies by electrocution does start to make it feel a little bit old hat to me. But then also not everyone does die by electrocution, because uh, your, your creepy bellhop guy there, he, he was just garroted. Yeah, he was just garroted. Yeah, there was yeah there was no, uh, at least I don't think, certainly not that we saw, uh, there was any. No, there, there, was was any no, there certainly wasn't any electrical involvement. I don't think so, no. Um, it didn't seem that way to so me. So get your mod- modus operandi correct first. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, in fact, I'm just going to immediately assume that the guy's modus operandi is intact and there's a copycat killer in town. 
Um, however, um, the spring break party continues apace. We revert back to the bar, and uh, <laughs> the uh, opening lyric of the song here was, Me and the boys feel like getting into trouble. Excellent. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, if most of the things that we've seen that haven't been scantily clad women are people and their boys getting into trouble. I would have put this song early on the film. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, if you're going to insist on having it. I would have put it when it was still the team of Skip and Ronnie. Absolutely, 100%. Um, definitely. Yeah, because it kind of plays into what they're there to do. And yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> as opposed to me and a stranger going to investigate some murders. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Skip Romantic can... subplot in five more scenes. <laughs> hey, sexy stranger, help me find the killer. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, Skip and Gail, Gail, uh, who works at the bar whose sister was murdered, um, allegedly by Diablo, they at this point kind of team up, and yeah, your romantic B story and also your main investigation thread thread kind of emerges here as does my favorite character in the entire piece they get into skip's open top car and um <laughs> a shirtless guy uh who's painted in the colors of presumably the team the gators the gator, well that's his uh, i think that's his entire dialogue screaming go gators at the top yeah. of his lungs yeah he just like jumps into the back of the car long enough to scream it twice then just jumps out and disappears into the night i think it's hilarious you see him later on yeah no he comes back yeah yeah, yeah. he comes back he comes back two different times if i'm not <laughs> if i'm not mistaken they, on as part of their investigation, they talk to Doc Willett, who, of course, at this point, um, is well into this kind of cover-up thing. He's been kind of blackmailed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he so he covers it up. So, like, rather than just being incompetent, uh, it's um, deceit mistaken for incompetence. Sure. This yeah. time, we also get a shot of him here uh, doing what every good doctor does and drinking on the job. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. He's 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 a troubled guy. You feel, um, and uh, straight after this, we see police the police escorting the Go Gators guy uh, back home, uh, who is screaming it in a way that makes me think he's either drunk or possessed. But it's very funny, however you slice it. Um, and yeah, at this point, we're reminded there's this kind of like tender moment between Skip and Gail. Yeah, yeah, the bit in the car when he drives Gail home. Yeah, where we find out, or we're reminded that um, Gail's sister was killed by Diablo. Yes, that's right, she was murdered by Diablo. We get a lingering arm stroke from Gail to Skip here, something that is uh, immediately undone by the passion-killing conversation uh, regarding chat of murdered sisters. Yes, yeah, that's true. It's the historical boner killer. <laughs> Nothing's going to take the lead at your pencil quicker than chat of a murdered sister. Yep, precisely. <laughs> uh, just drop that right in there. Um... <laughs> Uh, Mayor is uh, yeah desperate to cover up the murders at this point. Uh, Skip hides in the back of the doctor's car and threatens him with a screwdriver <laughs> to the neck. Um, so he gives him information about uh, Ronnie and the fact that Ronnie's actually dead. Uh, Skip goes and finds his body. Yeah, and what appears to be some kind of salt quarry or something like that. Yeah, it must be Very something wife. like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Skip does his Oscar Gold bit at this point, or yeah. the actor playing Skip does when he kind of uh, when he uh, talks to the dead body for quite a long time, being like, "Why." What happened to you, man? What did they do to you, buddy? I'll like, get them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty agonizing. I fucking love it. It's it's, uh, it's 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 pretty dreadful. Meanwhile, mayor and police alike are in search of a stooge. Sure. And uh, they uh, put their sights on dog. They do, yeah. But before that even happens, while uh, Skip's giving this in the moment eulogy to his fallen comrade, uh-huh. Striker rocks up, revealing himself to be the architect of this. Um, when he says to him, "Look." Your friend was killed. And unless you want me to pin it on you, you'll get in your car and you'll leave town. 
and you'll say nothing to anyone. Oh, this is coming down on you. Yeah, you're going to get framed. You're going to get framed. Um, but uh, no, Skip's not about to do that. He's not about to turn his back on his fallen friend. No, no, no. not at all. What he is going to do is make a pretty egregious tactical blunder, which is that he's going to go back to Gail's house without telling her that he's there and <laughs> go in through presumably an open door or an easily unlockable door. Uh, she heads home. She's followed by a motorcyclist, gets a little bit paranoid and very nearly shoots Skip because he also doesn't shout, I'm here, it's Skip, I'm here, I'm in the back. He just creeps up behind her. He like he would, Don't he, kill me, I'm in your house. Yeah, like he would He would very deserving of a bullet. Uh, would have been entirely of his own carelessness if he'd been shot. <laughs> Um, so he tells her about the fact that he'll be framed for the murder if he comes back. Um, and But he's going to stay and investigate and he's going to stay with her. And I think yeah. that there's like a glimmer that he thinks that there's going to be something going on and just like, I'll make up the couch. Sure. <laughs> and, the, and the game of cat and mouse continues. Fake murder here. Oh, this is the corpse guy. The yeah, corpse yeah, the guy. yeah. My my chronology must have been out, but yeah, like yeah, that it's the fake, it's the fake death here, um, and this causes uh, mass hysteria amongst the revelers, including one guy who uh, is sitting shirtless playing an unplugged electric guitar. Sure, interesting choice. What's your point? You can that way you can noodle away in relative peace. Yeah, and no one will hear you. But that's fine. Maybe that's what he wants. Maybe he's not very good and he's uh, self-conscious. Yeah, yeah. He just, he just wants to have the comforting image of being the guy with the guitar at the party who everyone always loves. <laughs> the guy who looks like he can play the guitar in the hope that it gets him some beaver. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. <laughs> Meanwhile, another genetic breaker is knocked out and incinerated. Um, yeah. I mean, Again, this is the totally arbitrary death of a character we haven't come to know. No, no, no. don't care about it at all. Also not electrocuted. Also not electrocuted, yeah, just incinerated. Very much immolated um, in a way that I wasn't entirely sure was feasible, but she's chained up in front of a... It certainly wouldn't have happened this fast, I don't think. A furnace? Yeah. Yeah, chained up in front of a furnace, the gates are opened, and a large, large jet of flame burns her from woman to skeleton. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fine assessment, um, yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. From living woman to charcoal skeleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, but like again, I think like the like when it's someone like this, when it's a kind of absolute red shirt, no name character, obviously the film just kind of pivots out of this to ever to anything, yeah, because it doesn't matter. Uh, so what we get is more beat stuff with a recurrent theme, uh, as in a song coming back. <laughs> uh, lyrics here: I like the way you shake your tail, something, something. I'm on your trail, which fits in nicely with the story. Like. Was was super paying attention when I wrote that down at because quarter to six this morning. There's a weird flip of the swimsuit, um, the, the kind of swimsuit competition thing here. Go on. To this guy's ass being oiled up before he belly flops into a swimming pool. Oh yeah, that does happen. Yeah, that's right. At this point, also Gail announces to Skip that one of the demons has been arrested, uh, specifically Dog. Yeah. Um, for the murders, also mentions that another body has been found. And says that she owes it to her sister to uh, bring the killer to justice. Sure. In the meantime, the media has got a hold of all this, as it would have, because for as much as the city is full of people, it's evidently not that large. No, no, no. So I think that if six or seven people all die within a day or two under mysterious circumstances, I think that regardless of how hard you try to cover it up, the chances are that some sort of local snooping press mogul will get their hands on that information, and that's happened. Yeah, we have a weird kind of woman in a yellow suit that looks like she's at a Blade Runner. Yeah. But they obviously know that it's not the bikers, as we understand them to be... Yeah, they're the patsies. ...that are killing people. Um, and the theory that it's Diablo is again debunked, dismissed <laughs> out of hand. Um, a drunk and troubled Dr. Willett calls. Yeah. Saying he's uh, lost his license, lost everything. Sad, actually. Like, he lost his license because he's drinking on the job. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and p- potentially um, um, illegally supplying pills to kids. <laughs> I believe it's also alluded to at some point. So, you know, like he's, he's not like... It, I mean, it's it's a, it's a shame that he shoots himself in the head, but he's also not the most sympathetic character. He's quite bad and quite corrupt. Pretty terrible at his job. Like, is <laughs> like professionally, ethically... Like, yeah, no, he's like... Actually, I don't feel sorry for him. What a no, fuck that guy. He's a shite doctor and he's a shite human. <laughs> and yeah, he blows his brains out over the phone. He sure does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Skip and Gail are spying on the bikers again. Learned very little in the last time. Well, they, they do capture Trina this time. The tables have turned. Uh, yeah, I'm also just so you know, song playing in the background here. Uh, opening <laughs> lyrics are dreadful. Uh, creep into your room at night. Feel the heat within. Yeah, so they they kind of interrogate uh, Trina. She at knife point. Yeah, at knife point. Yeah, because <laughs> everything get everybody gets everything done by nefarious means in this film. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, even the good guys become bad just out of sheer necessity, and the bad guys become good like in a really confusing way later as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, she tells the truth. She says that they beat up uh, Ronnie, but they didn't kill him. Uh, which is indisputable fact. Um, because we've seen it. Because we saw it, but, yeah. Uh, but Skip has no reason to believe this. And to be fair, they do... Actually, Skip like, is armed with the knowledge now, because he's seen the body and he's spoke to Stryker. I guess so, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. I suppose uh, Skip's a little bit more clued in. So yeah, I, I suppose that them kind of like, them kind of getting on side with the theory is maybe isn't that implausible. We also hear here that uh, Diablo did not kill Gail's sister. That, we have, they have no reason to believe. That they have no reason to believe, but I think given everything else that they've heard, it probably seems more feasible. Uh, yeah, I would say so, yeah, yeah. But they turn their attentions at this point. They immediately make the leap, the logical and uh, theoretical leap. And as it transpires, correct. Yeah, that um, that Stryker has a hand in this. Yeah, and they go to visit his uh, incredibly uh, dilapidated trailer that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, his trailer's horrible. Yeah, um, not at all befitting of the town's chief of police. No, uh, not really. Um, they sneak in having subdued his dog. Oh, I shouldn't laugh, but I always, every time I forget that they pepper spray his dog. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Uh, given that Umberto Lindsay made like Man from Deep River mm-hmm. and Cannibal Ferox, they might have pepper sprayed a dog. Uh, they did, but uh, I think that it was probably play acting a little bit, though, because that whimpering was definitely ADR. Oh, yeah. Um, it got me thinking actually at this point though that I do like and this is the kind of thing that I often kind of find hard work in these kinds of things but see the the bits where it's just kind of like Skip and Gale trying to piece it together yeah pretty enjoyable yeah, pretty sure. good to watch I think yeah like uh, but yeah they're in here they are considering that they are trying to like surreptitiously sneak around in someone's house they're terrible at he takes a gun off the wall and leaves it on a the table <laughs> they uh, walk into his bedroom and find loads of photos of dead people including one of Gale's sister which he tears up but then leaves the pieces of on the bed rather than taking them with her but we are to believe then that striker is the killer oh. yes yeah. certainly yeah yeah that, that, i think that like yeah that is that's the misdirect that the scene is driving at and it does get there but uh but they do make it incredibly obvious that one someone has been there and two make the fact that she has been she has been there specifically well, a credible theory. comes home and, at a moment and uh immediately like walks into his house and sees all the evidence that you've that you've just mentioned and immediately knows who was there and what they were looking for yep yep <laughs> very true yep definitely yeah the only reason that they escape here is because he gets distracted by his returning dog his pepper sprayed dog yeah um which i uh, just gives them enough time to uh to get away uh at this point we cut back to for the first time in a while uh rachel and priest dad 
uh, Reverend Bates yeah. having a hell like I think it's hilarious when they're arguing about whether or not she should go out and like how she's being really immoral and stuff, but she's got music blaring, so they just both struggle to make themselves heard over this music that's <laughs> blaring in the room. Look, I'm, I'm trying to tell you that your mortal soul's at risk here. Can you turn that fucking racket down? What? <laughs> it's really, really funny. I think. Uh, while the mayor gets increasingly more suggestible to the idea that it might be uh, Diablo, yeah. the demons hatch a plan to go and release Dog uh, <laughs> by storming the police office. Uh, they head out to do that. Well, it's the result of a rousing speech from Studied Headstrap. <laughs> from Studied Headstrap, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mr. S. Headstrap. Yeah, he whips them all up into a foaming frenzy and off they go, yeah, off they, off they buzz. Yeah, indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Trina is left behind and uh, what is this that is on her head? I mean, like... like <laughs> the, the, I mean, I think they're obviously supposed to be headphones, but... Like, Good question. But yeah, they do look like two transistor radios that have been sellotaped to her ears. Yeah, and it's no surprise that she didn't hear the motorbikes tearing off because this is an extremely large contraption. Yeah. Like, very, very large headset. <laughs> the frontline and noise-cancelling technology for the time. It's very funny. Um, but yeah, she realises that she's been left behind. Yep, yep. Um, which is fortuitous for us as the viewer, because we will get another death. But yeah. very, very unlucky for her. Yeah, another electrocution. Like I say, I understand that that's mostly the MO, but I do start to find the ele- um, electrocutions a little bit formulated. She immediately believes that it is, in fact, the returning vengeful spirit of Diablo. Right to the point where she shows what is clearly a Byrodon tattoo on her ass. It's laughably bad. It is. It's dreadful. Um, but you're right though. When like considering what she's confronted with is uh, this is either the re- reanimated corpse of or the vengeful spirit of your dead boyfriend. She greets that with the kind of just like pleasant ah you're here thing. Like if you just come home at the end of a normal day. Yeah, yeah. But you would think if it was such a such an entity. That it would introduce itself. <coughs> because she's... I'm Ghost Diablo. Yeah, yeah, it's me, it's Diablo. I know I'm dead, don't be freaked out. But she makes moves to remove his helmet and is roundly uh, thrown to the ground. For her trouble, yeah. Uh, ragdolled around to quite an extent before she has her eyeball literally electrocuted out of her face. Uh, yes, that's how that goes down. Also, uh, they continue to get um, an unbelievable amount of mileage out of this one theme from Claudio Simonetti. <laughs> Claudio Simonetti earning his money here. Absolutely, yeah. It's, like, it's, like, well, it's, like, it's a pretty good payday for him. It's just the oh, one song that they copy and pasted like about six different times. Absolutely. Obviously, uh, the town being beset by mass murder has had a fairly significant effect, a very sobering effect on the tone, which is why an 80s power pop gig is happening at the beach while all this is going on. Nobody seems to be too troubled by the mounting stack of bodies. Um, so obviously, uh, this town being beset by mass murder has had an incredibly sobering effect keeping, on the spring break vibes. people indoors. Yeah, exactly. Seeing as uh, literally everyone in the town seems to have amassed at the beach for a kind of power pop gig. Oh, yeah, yeah, the handy palate cleansing musical interlude. Yeah, precisely that one. <laughs> yeah, um, which which then goes on to just like because it has to happen here and the music's so upbeat, it's really weird because it just plays this weird background thing because like Stryker threatens Gale while a man rips a really pleasant major key saxophone solo in the background. <laughs> Did you also notice that? Uh... This was obviously done the way that these big crowd scenes are done in films, where um, the band are performing a song, presumably silently, but the crowd are dancing to what they believe is the music. Yes. And they're all going off their fucking nuts. They are dancing, swing dancing, there's all kinds of stuff going on there, old school rave dancing. It's, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. A wild uh, time and it, it does not match the music. It has the feel of a silent disco. Like, what you, <laughs> yeah, like you're quite right. Um, while all this is going on, um, the bikers storm the police office and release Dog. 
Yeah. Uh, they're out at this point. They're like, like you know, because like um, there was like this little hint of unity between uh, Skip and Gale and um, the demons. Yes. Earlier. Yeah. 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 But I, as, as far as I'm concerned, like they haven't, they haven't pulled that thread enough. And for me, like the demons are still very much kind of some of the villains of the piece. Sure. Um, and when they strangle a police officer to help, like. To, to let them get dog out i'm like oh fuck you know they're coming to like just get everybody because like um because they're raging they had that big altercation with uh, skip earlier on they're probably going to come <laughs> and kill him too and i was gonna think so it's like all oh, their descendants like oh god the final standoff is going to be like they're going to have to resolve this who's the killer business something's going to happen to striker but presumably this is going to be like skip and gale versus the demons yeah like a war yeah this is kind of what this is what i uh i thought was gonna happen and we'll get to the various ways that i was very wrong in a moment <laughs> but um i did feel extremely slighted at this point that prankster prick died off camera yeah yeah he is referred to only as uh the joker it's, oh really or it's that joker guy uh, there was a uh, there was a cry wolf thing here, isn't it? Because they think that it's something another prank, but he's actually yeah. dead this time. Yeah. Uh, again, I think this is really funny because, like, like I say, it is common knowledge at this point that minimum like six people are dead. Yeah. Um, and everyone is just partying as if nothing had happened. And then when someone announces that there has been a seventh murder, chaos ensues, and everyone turns into this absolute hysterical rabble. It's a full blown riot. Yep. Like it's like a stampede. Like rather than people just going accepting in it, as you probably would, you'd go, oh, "That's pretty sad, actually. That's put a, that's put a, a dampener on the night." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, somewhat. <laughs> I could hardly drink any more punch. Because <laughs> uh, you probably would if you were in a crowd and there was an announcement that there was a murder. Uh huh. I, I don't think it would turn into a, a stampede of that. I mean, it's like a riot. People running, literally running for their lives. Yeah. Rather than a safety at numbers and numbers thing, perhaps. It's, uh, yeah, I n- nobody nobody has any real poise. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, they're quite the opposite, really. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, a lot of the there's probably a lot of drugs and paranoia in that crowd. I would say that's probably fair. Uh, so Gale and Stryker wisely decide to split up. Yeah, but it's cool because Skip's got a gun and uh, they both have the biggest walkie-talkies in the world. They look like telephone boxes. These walkie-talkies are the size of microwaves. <laughs> Strapped around the legs and a big leather belt. <laughs> Just it's, like Ronnie's medallion. It's pretty amazing. Like it's 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 really, really funny actually. Uh yeah, I actually think that, that actually like Hoover's any lingering tension out of the sequence in a way that is completely not the film's fault because obviously it's uh, very much the, I was gonna say it's very much the technology at the time. I've literally never seen any portable device that size. But like um but uh It kinda of defeats the point of calling it portable when it's that large. <laughs> So like I'm surprised they weren't connected by like a 500 foot length of cabling. <laughs> it's only portable because she's sitting in her car. <laughs> it's like it would have to come with its own backpack or trailer or something to carry it around. Like you know one of those wind up things that like soldiers have on their back. Where they... uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, at this point, uh, Gail thinks that Stryker is chasing her false alarm. It's just like a regular policeman who's not corrupt. Um, <laughs> Skip is blocked in. Again, false alarm. It's not the demons or anyone else threatening. It's just a guy. Um, so they sort out both of their respective false alarms. Meanwhile, the demons amass. Um, sure do. Again, I'm I'm 100% geared up for this to be a final standoff. Uh, before uh, Skip and Gail can properly reunite, Stryker heads Skip off, kind of. Sure. Um, they're at some kind of abandoned factory. Is it, the, is it the demon's lair? Well, I mean, it presumably isn't their hangout, because that's by the beach. So um, oh, they've presumably annexed something else to be their, uh, to be their hideout for a while. Or to be the final standoff uh, location. Yeah, you, can, you can't ban us. <laughs> the final standoff will be here in 30 minutes. 
uh, yeah, striker um, corners uh, Skip and Skip wisely, rightly so, takes to his heels. But rather than pursue him on foot, striker gets back in his gets car. back in his car. Yeah, I, it's it's genuinely um I uh, so I was watching this. Uh, I watched this film in three parts lovely, this week. Lovely. Um, watched it late one evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you like, actually, yeah, actually, pretty much, pretty much a thirty minute, thirty minute, thirty minute split, actually. Um, but yeah, um, I watched it late one evening, very early the next morning, and then the last half hour of it, I watched on my lunch at work this afternoon. <laughs> Excellent. And I rewound that bit three times. Because, because uh, you couldn't fathom out. The it looks so much like he's going to chase him, and he's like, "Your ass is mine." And then he literally just scurries, like he kind of like stumbles and disappears into a bush. And rather than him just following, he just goes back in his car and drives away. And I was like, "No, wait, no." Across increasingly difficult terrain. Yes, it could, could have probably navigated it on foot a lot easier. Yes, that's very uneven ground for an automobile, definitely. <laughs> um, however, I mean, like, he, like it's, it's all it's, it's all for all anyway because you just catch him. Um, <laughs> He literally drives around a corner and heads him off at the pass. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, it looked like a stupid plan, but I mean, who's the real dick? Because it worked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he catches him. Uh, things were looking bad for him. Uh, for uh, for old Skip, he looks like he's gonna. He looks like he's gonna get killed. And then uh, the demons show up and shoot Striker. Yeah, they they shoot Striker. Yeah, yeah, they manage to get. Very close, very stealthily uh, on their incredibly loud motorbikes. Yes, they do manage to rock up pretty much undetected, despite the fact there are 20 of them and they're all on bikes. Yes. <laughs> and the kind of bikes they're driving are fucking loud. Uh, yes, it's, yeah, it certainly seems that way. They certainly have made enough of a fucking racket for the rest of the film. Sure. But yes, uh, he is, uh, Stryker is shot multiple times and called an ugly tub of chicken guts for his trouble. That'll show him. Uh, gets to <laughs> continuing the, uh, the demon's uh, trend of uh, being able to drop killer insults. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, dropping bombs and uh, taking no prisoners. Well, actually, they do kind of take a prisoner. That's true, actually. Yeah, that's exactly what they do because they chain him up and drag him off. Now, presumably, we don't see the result of this, but presumably they don't, they just drag him until he dies. Until he's pulp. I mean, essentially, like, like mush. Yeah, I mean, like you can you can you can only imagine. I would have liked to have seen a little bit of that, if I'm honest. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, a little bit more of that. A little bit of catharsis. Maybe like a mannequin full of some guts or something. Yeah, strikers. Strikers a bad guy. I would have been up for that for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, meanwhile, Gail finds the body of Diablo, oh my, um, and then a fight ensues between her and the guy who was wearing the Diablo suit. Yeah, putting to rest the question of whether or not the killer is in fact Diablo. Yes, yeah, yeah, precisely. But it could, I suppose, still be his vengeful spirit looking for its, co- its body uh, before it can rest in peace. However, it's not. This blew your fucking mind. Go on. It's the good Reverend Bates. It's the good Reverend Bates. Now, I would like to articulate the various reasons why I am an idiot. I do this quite often anyway. No, we don't have long. We don't have much. <laughs> Our time is short. We don't have much memory um, left. Or at least like for, for this purpose anyway, right? Okay. So, um, so genuinely, I it didn't occur to me the entire time that I was watching it that Rachel, the character, does fuck all in this film. She does nothing. She's uh, she's pointless. She's introduced as a main character, really. She's introduced in the same way that all the main characters are in it. She appears maybe three times after that. And all she does is interact with other characters in a way that strictly gets them from A to B and tells us nothing about her. Um. Later on, uh, but all the time, the, all the times that we do see her, when she's not doing that, she's having an argument with her priest father, who spends the entire time talking about the fact that all the spring break- breakers are lost lambs, they're um, condemned souls, um, doing all these awful hedonistic things. I'm all just, I'm always just, like, I'm just kind of sitting looking at it, being like, that guy's a dick, um, without ever thinking that 
the plot could have subsisted completely without him and obviously all the people that are dying are hedonistic spring break revelers yes. however when he took the helmet off and the killer was the priest my mind was still blown to the point that i wrote down in my notes i am disappointed by how blown my mind is by this you're so easy to surprise i'm incredibly easy to surprise incredibly easy to surprise and for i really really hoped that by film 73 of this enterprise i would have been a little bit savvier <laughs> But here we are. I've got in store for you next time. <laughs> yeah, but here we are. The helmet comes off, and genuinely, I was like, "Jesus fucking Christ!" <laughs> so there you go. It's, no way. <laughs> it's Reverend Bates. That is Reverend Bates. Uh, yeah. Killing lustful sinners, um, and he said that they all must die by electrocution, which is super, super sketchy. That's they, they, about seventy percent of them die of electrocution. But yeah, and another brawl ensues here with the arrival of Skip. And Skip and Bates had a, a kind of tussle. They're all about the ground together. And uh, yeah, Gail and Skip take to their heels again. And rather than pursue on foot again, a character makes the unwise decision to pursue in, uh, on a vehicle. Yep. Uh, in this case, the electric motorbike. Um, in the same way that motorcyclists not on motorcycles wearing helmets look ridiculous. Priests without helmets on motorbikes. Wearing full leathers. Also ridiculous. Um, His leathers have got a zip up the back, which makes it look a little bit weird. He looks... I don't know. I, I, I thought they were zipped up the front. Uh, yeah, it can't have been uh, easy to get into. No, no. It would, it would have taken a second pair of hands, for sure. Ah, um, Diablo's Ghost. Diablo's Ghost. <laughs> There's your answer. Uh, but yeah, he uh, tries to give chase, uh, does this very, very poorly, immediately crashes and electrocutes himself. <laughs> no, You've grossly simplified what happens there. Have I? He crashes into a pile of tyres. He is thrown from the bike through the air into a cobweb configuration of electrical... <laughs> Low-hanging <cables>. power lines. <laughs> and yes, you are correct in saying that he is electrocuted to the point of death. Uh, yes. And beyond. Yeah. Uh, into yeah. death, in fact. He said, and fair play, the film does not stick around in the aftermath for this at all. Um, it just immediately cuts to when everything's basically fine. Um, <laughs> we, uh, it's an empty beach. Spring break is over. It's this, a mess. The surviving revelers have gone home. Yeah, what will presumably be a cleanup operation that will cost hundreds of thousands of pounds of you taxpayers' money is about to get underway. American with the one tier. Yes, yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. And um, Skip and Gail look lovingly into each other's eyes, hop into Skip's uh, Skipmobile and take off into the sunset while a song plays in the background to his opening line are I'm having trouble with the opposite sex coming on too strong putting me to the test right <laughs> the film ending as it began with some uh, weird sexual politics yep exactly <laughs> and uh, yeah with that we are done um, with Nightmare Beach with Nightmare Beach yeah uh, a film that I mostly liked um, <laughs> I would say that it is probably one of the ones that come the most heavily qualified with like Oh, it was just like a product of the time kind of thing in terms of there being a lot, an incredible amount of um, casual sexism and misogyny and quite a lot of, um, but well, I, or, or a bit of casual homophobia as well. But I think like, and you're always reluctant to give things too much of a pass, but also like it's so endemic of this kind of film. But then uh, the saving grace is that it's fairly fleeting because Ronnie's dead pretty quickly and then some incidental kind of... Yeah, he's your main problem guy. In yeah, it, isn't he, he is, he's a real problem character. Yeah. But um, after he's dead, like there's actually very little of that stuff. Yeah, that's true. And I think also, like I say, I mean, I think that, and I think that in a lot of kind of slashers, if you like, or this kind of thing, I think that a lot of the time 
where these things tend to most frequently slip up. Is locker room talk? <laughs> well, I was going to say, apart from that, was um, when it kind of has to get into this kind of like second act story heavy bit where people are kind of like piecing things together and they're getting to where they need to be for the kind of standoff and stuff. Um, not only did I think that this film did the investigation bit pretty well, quite enjoyed all the stuff with uh, Skip and Gale, but also when we eventually get to the uh, standoff, it, go- it went in like two different ways I didn't see coming. In the, the and I mean, only one of them was my fault. Um, but but, it was ultimately two murderers. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And um, also, yeah, just I think, I think kind of like the emergence of the demons, not as de facto good guys, but basically just the fact that everyone in this film kind of occupies a weird moral grey area. Well, yeah, I mean, they were wrong to begin with. Their leader was framed for a crime that he did not commit and ultimately executed for it. So they're they're carrying a, a grudge. And it's basically, the, the, I guess the demon storyline is them looking to settle that. And they, they do. Yeah, and two wrongs ultimately make a right. <laughs> so it seems. As the old saying goes. Yeah. On the whole, I think it's pretty good. I would say, like I say, I think that like the electrocution thing, I understand... Like, it's kind of annoying to me that <laughs> it's installed as being this essential part of the killer's MO only happens most of the time. Yeah. Um, but it happens enough times for me to find it kind of dry by the time it happens maybe the fourth or Yeah, fifth I, time. I mean, the electrocution thing is actually so... It's only in service of the fact that Diablo is electrocuted at the start. Yeah. Um, also, like, my question also is why does the priest give a fuck about that? <laughs> I think he just uses Diablo as a convenient scapegoat even beyond his death when uh, the man was a scapegoat at the moment of his death. Mm. Uh, and he somehow decides that using uh, that becoming the vengeful ghost of a long dead biker as the, I guess, the cover for his nefarious deeds mm. is the best way to go ahead rather than just be a kind of masked murderer, which is essentially what he is. And it could have gone down just the, the standard normal slasher movie trope of just numerous inventive deaths sure but it does try to stick at least close it has an idea that it wants to kind of carry through and for better or worse it it tries to yeah i i do kind of find it's kind of disinterested in doing one thing or the other kind of annoying (laughs) but uh but i do think it's a really fun film it's a good Uh, pick as well uh, loads and loads of stuff to talk about oh yeah and do you know what and some of some of the problematic stuff that we talked about take that out there out the equation and it's still a pretty fun film absolutely it's yeah no fun, it is it is it's a fun largely forgotten slasher romp yeah um by a film director who makes generally trashy films mm-hmm. um or maybe not yeah i was about to say how dare you talk about harry kirkpatrick that way <laughs> trash peddler <laughs> Hack. Um, but yeah, no, I would say, like, like I say, this was a good pick. I had fun with it, and it's a fun film to talk about. Yeah, and yeah. I, it's on Amazon Prime, so go find it, get it, get it watched. Yeah, you know what? You could kill an hour and a half in a hell of a lot worse ways. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. definitely. And I would say it's one of the most fun of certainly Alenzi's films. Yeah, sure. He says not knowing at all, because obviously I have no idea. Take it from me. Sure. Right. <laughs> and I guess I suppose we're kind of done for another one then, aren't we? This is the part of the Andy vs. Mitch episode that I find strange where I can't just turn to the guests and ask them what they're working on or what they've just been promoting or things like that. Right. Well, I can tell you, as you know, there's, uh, I've got some film stuff in the pipeline. You do indeed. Which probably won't be happening until next year. But okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and if you want to find me on social media, you can find me at Andy Makes Stuff on Twitter. Uh, I don't have any other 
I don't have Facebook, I don't have Instagram anymore. Moving swiftly on, if you want to get in touch with us about everything that we've been talking about or anything that we've been talking about on this episode, any other episode or just in general, then there's loads of ways you can do that. Yes. Facebook and Instagram, we are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. And you can also email scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and you can also find us on our website, sure strongviolentpod.com. And on there, you'll find an unexhaustive list of podcast providers. Yeah. Go on there, have a wee look, and pick your poison. Yep, sure. Uh, you will also find a link to our tea Public, where we have a, a vast array, well, a very slim array of t-shirt designs. I will be adding a new one this week oh really yep so keep your eyes on the skies very interesting for okay. that and you will also find information about our upcoming live show at celluloid screams yeah and uh, as soon as we know more about it we'll tell you <laughs> well i mean we know it's happening but yep. uh, and as far as guest and film choice goes we will of course keep you apprised so you can watch the film in advance and hopefully we will see you there yeah but friday october 25th 12 Correct. noon showroom cinema it's free again big thank you rob and the team for having us for another year yeah, gonna, yeah. gonna be a lot of fun. Gonna be a lot of fun. But we will be back on Monday, more pressingly. Yes. Yeah, so, and thanks to all you guys for having us back week after week. Yeah. So <laughs> if, yeah, if you feel like spinning the wheel on this nonsense again, we're back on Monday with uh, Mini Sword seventy three. We'll be talking about what we've been watching. We will be charting my progress through the shot waves one hundred. We'll be playing Mitch's pitches, all that stuff. Yes. And this week we will be daring to bring in a guest. Yes, we will have the guest and film announcement for next week, also coming on Monday. So that's Monday. Join us then if you can. Andy, have you got any suggestions for how we should leave it today? I do. I do, Mitch. Uh, I think we'll take it out tonight on a song, "Don't Take My Heart" by Kirsten as featured on the Nightmare Beach soundtrack. Bye-bye. Bye. Take my body Take it good Take the shape I'm in Treat me like a real man should See my big baby blues The best place to start but baby, please, don't take my heart Take my body
You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain, production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.